This podcast is sponsored by Fantasy Data, one of the industry's top fantasy football data providers. FantasyData.com offers hardcore fans the ability to download statistics and projections, as well as to get their hands on some of the best premium fantasy football content in the industry, all at a very reasonable price. This year, Fantasy Data has created two new premium features that are getting a lot of buzz. These are really great. They're the Advanced Efficiency Metrics and the Advanced Player Performance Metrics. Both of these pages are sortable, and you can check out quarterback, running back, wide receiver, and tight end to check out all the positions, sort by various metrics. And this is a great way to find some nuggets and spot sleepers, breakout candidates, guys who are going to bust. you got to check these pages out. Check out FantasyData.com today, and we've hooked you guys up. If you use our promo code GRIDIRON20, like the website Gridiron Experts, you'll get 20% off your subscription for 2019 at FantasyData.com. That promo code is GRIDIRON20, GRIDIRON20. Check out FantasyData.com today. I feel the master. I feel the master. They ready. Well, come on. We well, come on. Ready. Y'all ready? They ready. into the Dynasty Degenerates podcast, part of the Gridiron Experts podcast network. You can check us out at gridironexperts.com slash podcast. I'm your host today, Mark Leopold. You can find me on Twitter at LeopoldNFL and find our page at, at gridironexperts on Twitter. Jared's out of commission for a little bit, so I'm going to bring you guys either some solo shows or some shows with other guests uh, because the show must go on. The, the people need it. So what we need to talk about today is taxi squads, what they are, how you should set the potential to a good dynasty league in my mind. And what a taxi squad is, for those of you guys that are either in leagues without them or not even in dynasty leagues yet, you should be in a dynasty league first of all. And if you're in one, you should be in a league with taxi squads. Think of it sort of like the NFL practice squad. The idea is you want to draft, say, project players like a developmental quarterback or a raw wide receiver in the real football game. You can draft these players that might not hit in year one, but you want to let them sit somewhere that's not on your real roster, let them develop a little bit, and then once they hit their stride, you can bring them onto your roster. That's the idea behind a taxi squad in Dynasty. And they're typically anywhere from a couple players up to, I've seen some that are unlimited, I think that's a bit much, but I think somewhere between three to five is the sweet spot. Um, And that's, you know, I think depending on how big your roster is, how many rounds your rookie draft is, so you might want to adjust slightly, but I, I think four to five for me is really the sweet spot. And the idea on the taxi squad is you let these guys sit on there for up to a certain number of years. So based on NFL experience, typically the most common options are either just rookies or rookies plus sophomores, so second-year players. I like second-year players to be allowed on there because we, I think we are pretty comfortable by now with the third-year wide receiver breakout narrative. Uh, there's some truth to that, and there are enough guys that do that that I think you want to give them that second year on the taxi squad. Obviously, quarterbacks and tight ends, especially tight ends, can take a while uh, and not necessarily hit in year one. Running backs are a little different, so I think you want it, and I think you want to have it for two years ideally, uh, but rookies only isn't a bad idea either. Uh, Nothing wrong with that if you want to go that route. And the other thing I think is important to mention is most league formats will offer the choice between either one-way promotions, that's only up from taxi squad onto your active roster, 
or two-way, which is you can move a guy up and move another guy down. I'm in favor of one-way because if you're going to do two-way, I think you might as well just have extra bench spots. If you're going to be able to promote a guy from the taxi squad up to your active roster in season and then move another guy down, it's basically an extra bench spot. And it might have an age cap on it, but what's the point? Just give an extra bench spot at that point. So I think you should do the one-way promotion where you can only move a guy up from the taxi squad onto the active roster. Um, and it's obviously that time of year where you probably have your taxi squad deadlines coming up. Mine are all at the end of preseason. I think that's the best way to go so that you have all the information and you see what these guys look like through training camp, um, especially seeing if guys get hurt, if they're not playing with the ones, that kind of thing. So I think that's the best time, but typically throughout the preseason is uh, prime time to be making these decisions. So hopefully you guys haven't had to decide that yet. But we will run through some guys that should be candidates to be on your taxi squads. But for now, that's, that's I think, sort of the 101 and how you want to set them up and why you need them. Um, so in a second here, we'll talk about guys from the AFC. Uh, next episode, we'll talk about the NFC on guys you want to stash on that taxi squad. So we'll start off here with the AFC East. I have a couple of guys on each team, and I'll specify right away here. Not all these guys will be taxi squad eligible. Most of them will be, uh, but if you hear a name that's too old for the taxi squad, like my first guy here, most leagues, TJ Yeldon is not available to be placed on the taxi squad since he's been in the league for several years here. Um, but I also think that these are some guys that you can just buy for dirt cheap. So, for example, you probably are putting guys that you're drafting in the third, fourth, fifth round of your rookie drafts onto the taxi squad. You might be able to go buy some of these veterans for that price. So that's why they're on this list, and I think they're worth consideration. So for Buffalo, I want to start with TJ Yeldon. Uh, obviously, on the surface, it looks like a very crowded backfield in Buffalo. Uh, there is definitely some buzz that one of the older guys, specifically maybe LaShawn McCoy, might get cut. And I'm not a big believer in Devin Singletary. So if you're with me on that because he's undersized and he made his living in college by trucking defenders, I don't think that will translate to the NFL. So I think there's some opportunity for TJ Yeldon. And there are a lot of people out there that deny his talent. But he has a true every-down skill set. He's bell cow size, 226 pounds. And in college, he got almost a 10% target share, which is kind of impressive at Alabama because they don't really pass that much. Um, so he, he did really well considering the offense he was in, uh, if you look at it on a sort of per-target basis. So Yeldon's one of those guys. He's not a freak athlete, but he can play on every down, and he's certainly athletic enough to get the job done. So he's one of those guys I think has the talent level and just has never really been given the opportunity so he's cheaper than I think he should be in Dynasty, and I think he's not a bad candidate to just try to go by with one of those later round picks. The other guy from Buffalo that's worth mentioning is David Sills. Uh, he's an undrafted wide receiver out of West Virginia, uh, but he was very good in college. Almost a third of West Virginia's passing offense went through David Sills in his final year. And over 15, per, uh, not percent, over 15 yards per target, so that's a pretty good mark. Uh, not amazing, but he uh, he's still... Athletic enough that he can get downfield, not blazing speed, you know, 4.57, but at his size, 6'3", 211, that's not bad. Uh, so certainly respectable enough that, you know, he could be a decent player in the NFL. The big reason you want to stash him, Buffalo has a relatively thin wide receiver core. Um, probably they'll be rolling out Zay Jones, Robert Foster, and Cole Beasley this year. None of those guys are really desirable in Dynasty, and that's because none of them are really these elite players. So it's certainly one of those depth charts that a guy could climb. And a guy with the decent athleticism of David Sills, uh, he's got the size, and you know, he's a strong player in a major conference, so he's got a lot of boxes that he checks. Uh, he was a late breakout, but that's really the only knock on him. 
So uh, he's definitely one of those guys that could ascend this depth chart before too long. He's definitely worth stashing in my mind. Let's move on to the Dolphins. There are two guys here. One of them you've probably heard a ton about through preseason already because allegedly he's balling out. I'll get to him in a second. But the first one is Miles Gaskin, seventh-round pick out of the University of Washington. Uh, he's an undersized guy, but in college he was dominant. He was accounted for almost a third of their entire offense, uh, rushing and receiving. Uh, so really the offense ran through Gaskin. He's only 205 pounds at 5'9", so like I said, a little undersized. Um, and he doesn't really have elite agility, which I'd like to see out of a smaller back. But he does have that every down skill set. Uh, he wasn't a target monster in college, but certainly capable enough, 7% uh, target share. So he could be one of those guys, especially on a pretty thin depth chart with Kalen Balazs and Kenyon Drake as uh, the two guys at the top of that depth chart. He's one of those guys that could get some opportunity. Uh, he's not really somebody I'm super excited about long term, um, but opportunities can, especially for running backs. Um, and of these guys that are late, late round picks or undrafted, I think he has one of the better opportunities to get some playing time. So certainly a guy I'd be willing to stash on my taxi squad. And the guy that we've probably heard a ton about by now, undrafted wide receiver out of Colorado State, that's Preston Williams. Uh, he's got the size that we love, 6'4", 211, um, and he accounted for almost half of Colorado State's passing offense. Um, so that's good. I mean, he went to a small school, which is generally not something you want to see. You like the guys that played tough competition, but he did everything he could. He dominated that competition, so that's exactly what you want to see. If a guy goes to a small school, he better be dominant. The one big red flag for Preston Williams is it took him until he was 21 to break out. Uh, he didn't really have a dominant college season until then. Uh, so you want to see that earlier, especially with these small school guys. So Preston Williams still intriguing enough, especially given the reports out of camp. Uh, long term, I'm not super excited about him. He's pretty much a, a sub-athlete across the board, speed, agility, burst. Uh, so not much really to like there, but definitely there's some appeal that he could – certainly make this roster. He could get some playing time early. I see him as a flip candidate. So you might want to stash him on the taxi squad. Hope he makes some noise early. And then as soon as he does, he's a guy I'd be looking to flip. Uh, but definitely not a bad guy to stash just based on the hype alone at this point because he could get that opportunity. Um, New England Patriots, there are two guys. One of them's not taxi eligible probably in, in most leagues here. But the first one is Jarrett Stidham. We've seen enough in preseason already. I wish I had done this before because he was on my list anyway. Um, Stidham's one of those dual-threat quarterbacks. He went to the University of Auburn, or Auburn University, I guess. And he's 6'2", 220, so, you know, big enough guy. But he's also one of those guys that runs. he can run around a lot. He's not a run-first guy per se, um, but he's sort of like Russell Wilson in the way that he can scramble around, make some plays happen. Baker Mayfield. That type of quarterback, as far as his mobility goes, I'm not saying he's them as a passer. Um, he was a decent passer in college, uh, almost 10 yards per attempt, which is a very good mark, especially considering he played in the SEC. Um, that's pretty much up there with the best of them. Uh, his QBR, not as high as we'd like to see, about 75. But given that dual threat ability and the fact that he pretty much started uh, right away, he broke out at age 19. Um, so young quarterback came into the SEC, Played very well, played right away. Uh, that's pretty much everything you like to see, especially with that dual threat ability. In super flex leagues, he's a guy I, I would really like to stash. We all know Brady's not going to play forever, um, so Stidham could get opportunity before too long. The other guy is Steven Anderson. Uh, he's one of those move tight ends. He's been around for a while, bounced around to a couple of different teams. He's now on the Patriots. 
Uh, more than likely, they'll end up finding somebody to replace Gronkowski long-term. But for now, he's one of the most athletic guys on the roster as far as the tight end position goes. Uh, he runs a 4.65. At 6'2", 230, that's good, but not great. So he's a little undersized for a tight end. Uh, but burst, 87th percentile, agility score, 94th percentile. So very good athlete across the board. Uh, he was an undrafted uh, player out of California. So that certainly won't help in terms of draft capital earning and playing time. Uh, but he is one of those move tight ends, pass catching guys, and on a Patriots depth chart that doesn't really feature any strong weapons at the tight end position. Not a bad guy to go try to buy on the cheap. If you can put him on taxi, great. Uh, but one of those guys you can get for basically nothing at this point. And I, I'd probably reserve that to tight end premium leagues. Single tight end leagues or tight end standard scoring leagues. There's not really much benefit to a guy like that because he probably won't even be owned. Uh, New York Jets, there are two guys worth hitting on real quick here. Jalen Moore, uh, running back, undrafted out of Appalachian State. He's almost the prototypical size you like to see, 5'10", 2'12". Uh, so I'd like to see a little bit more. We don't really have athletic testing on him. You know, not a combine guy. And uh, we didn't get much out of his pro day. But he was uh, an every-down back at Appalachian State. He wasn't one of these dominant producers. But we can make an exception here because the Jets have... Le'Veon Bell, and then sort of a whole mishmash of backs behind him. Uh, they haven't really shown the willingness to commit to Elijah McGuire, despite the fact that he's played well for them. Trenton Cannon has not really gotten any run, given the fact that he's played decently and stretches through the preseason uh, last year and this year. So Jalen Moore is not a guy that I would put any money on to break out, but he could certainly be stashed on a taxi squad. And last one is Deontay Burnett. Um, not a guy that's really interesting in almost any way, other than the fact that he went to USC and played with Sam Darnold. Um, he counted for about 30% of their passing offense there, so he was Darnold's go-to receiver in college, broke out very young. Um, that's what we like to see. He doesn't really check any other boxes, sadly. Um, he's undersized at 185 pounds, and at 6 feet, that's you know a little bit lighter than you'd like to see. And not very athletic at all, pretty much 10th percentile or worse than everything we have results on. But that college connection might be worth something, especially on the depth, depth chart. Very thin. Uh, they don't really have any established wide receivers. So especially if you see a guy like Robbie Anderson or Quincy Anunwa miss any time, Burnett could be one of those guys that gets called up. And He's been decent at times through preseason, and he did make an appearance last year. Uh, so not a bad guy to stash as well. Let's move on to the AFC North. A lot of interesting names here, actually. So we'll start with the Ravens. Uh, I want to talk about Miles Boykin. He's a freak athlete, 90th percentile plus across the board. His athletic measurables essentially look like that of Saquon Barkley. Uh, to put it into perspective, he's a very impressive player. Third-round pick for the Ravens out of Notre Dame. Uh, 6'4", 220, so big guy, prototypical size for one of those alpha receivers. Uh, the concern with Boykin really is that he broke out late, pretty much took him till his final year at Notre Dame to make any kind of noise, uh, and he's already basically 23 years old. Uh, so I'd like to have seen him broke out early, you know, come out younger, that kind of thing, but we'll take what we can get, certainly. And for a guy that accounted for about third, uh, almost a third of Notre Dame's passing offense, as anemic as that can be at times, that's still pretty impressive, especially a major program like Notre Dame. Uh, so Boykin, very impressive player. And obviously, the Ravens drafted Marquise Brown as well in the first round. He's been known to have injury issues throughout his career. Um, so it's certainly possible that Brown will miss time. And without really 
any other established wide receivers on that team. Boykin, who has been playing well in preseason and camp by all accounts, uh, could certainly step into some early opportunity uh, or be one of those guys that gets a chance due to an injury or something like that and runs with it. Uh, Boykin definitely got, you know, he'll be drafted in rookie drafts, uh, probably could be even as early as the second round, depending on how much people like him, but I would say second to third round. Um, but he could be stuck on the taxi squad if it doesn't look like he's going to be starting early. The other one is Justice Hill. He'll certainly be taken, I would think, most likely second round of all rookie drafts. Uh, if you get him in the third, I would consider that a steal. And there's a lot of stuff to like about Justice Hill. Very good athlete. Uh, upper percentile speed and burst. We don't have agility numbers. Uh, he's a little undersized, 5'10", 200 pounds essentially. Uh, so satellite back profile. But at Oklahoma State, he was an every down guy. He ran the ball. He caught the ball out of the backfield. And what we like about him is we know that Chris Carson is now an established NFL starter. Justice Hill is the guy that squeezed him out of the starting role at Oklahoma State. So very good player. Uh, obviously was in a backfield with NFL talent at one time and beat him out. And now he goes to Baltimore with an aging Mark Ingram and not much else. So Justice Hill could well get opportunity in year one. Um, and he's a guy that I think could potentially become a redraft target if he starts to play well. So maybe he won't be a taxi squad guy by the time preseason is all said and done. Uh, but he can be had for probably a second-round pick still, and I think that's good value on Justice Hill. Move over to the Bengals. Uh, this is more of a super flex pick here, but uh, any quarterback that could be stealing Andy Dalton's job is interesting enough. And that guy in this case is Ryan Finley. Uh, he's a productive player at uh, North Carolina State, taking the fourth round, early fourth round. So that's what you like to see because after day two, these teams will go home and regroup and figure out what they really want to do on day three. Between round three and four, they get that overnight break. So those early fourth round picks are important. Uh, those are the ones that teams have had all night to sort of plan about who they want to get, decide if they want to make trades. So uh, even though a fourth round pick, that's still a pretty good pick there for Ryan Finley. Uh, almost an 80% college QBR at NC State. Uh, not great from a yards per attempt number uh, as far as efficiency goes, but he's got super high wonder lick, which I guess can't hurt. I don't think it really means anything. I've never seen anything that indicates wonder lick has any kind of correlation with success, uh, but given the choice, I would take a higher one over a lower one, and he's in the 98th percentile. Uh, his 40-yard dash is good, but not great, so he's a little bit mobile, and uh, Andy Dalton, I think we all can agree, is a below mediocre talent as far as NFL starters go. And his time in Cincinnati is probably certainly one of those guys, year two, three, could get opportunity. Uh, that's pretty easy to imagine. So I'm stashing him mainly for super flex leagues, uh, but keep an eye on him. Another guy I really like is Rodney Anderson. Uh, he's obviously been plagued by injuries through his career in Oklahoma. If you followed him at all, ended up costing him a lot. He went in the sixth round, uh, but he's an extremely impressive player when he plays. And he's got the bell cow profile, six foot, 224. Uh, so perfect size and weight there, basically. Uh, he wasn't hugely dominant in college, partially due to that uh, injury history we talked about. But his yards per carry were off the charts, eight and a half um, in his last season there, which is 98th percentile. Uh, he wasn't super active in the passing game, but again, I think part of that is uh, due to his injury history. He wasn't on the field enough. Uh, we don't really have athletic testing numbers either for him. He was part of one of those spread them and shred them offenses at Oklahoma. Uh, so he's a player that could be very interesting if he gets opportunity. Obviously buried behind Joe Mixon for now. So that's why I think maybe he's a taxi squad guy and we see what Cincinnati looks like in a year or two. And potentially he'll have moved on by then. I mean, some of these later round picks especially 
they'll get cut, they'll get picked up somewhere else. So that's a possibility for Rodney Anderson, which is why I think he's a taxi squad guy, definitely not an active roster kind of guy. And the last one I want to hit on real quick is Stanley Morgan, uh, undrafted receiver out of Nebraska, but upper percentile athleticism across the board, speed just barely above the 50th percentile, but everything else, burst, agility, and catch rate, he's all 80th percentile plus, so very impressive guy, uh, 112.8 spark score, which is 75th percentile, good athlete at 6 foot 202, he's got basically prototypical outside size, so um, one of those guys that can play on the outside of the NFL. I don't like that he's 23. I don't like that he didn't break out until he's 21 years old. Uh, but he was extremely dominant in the Big Ten, which is one of those strong conferences we'd like to see. 37% dominator rating. That's 75th percentile, pretty much wide open. There's really not much established behind them. So Stanley Morgan could step into opportunity sooner rather than later. And moving on to the Browns here. This guy's probably uh, getting more expensive by the day, but Dontrell Hilliard, uh, he's presumably the backup to Nick Chubb to open the season while Kareem Hunt's suspended. Uh, decent athlete, you know, about 60th percentile, 60 to 70th percentile across the board. 5'11", 202 pounds, a little bit undersized, probably not going to be a bell cow. But if anything happens to Nick Chubb or if he misses time for any reason, Hilliard could get 60% you know, opportunity or more in that backfield, which will be a very valuable backfield in all likelihood this year. Uh, so he's probably not going to be a taxi squad guy, but in most formats. Uh, but one of those guys you, you might be able to still get cheap. And once people realize he's the backup, uh, his price will probably go up. So he could even just be a buy and flip type candidate. And Demetrius Harris is the other guy worth mentioning. Freak athlete. He went to uh, University of Wisconsin at Milwaukee. Didn't even play football there. Played basketball. Uh, so he's got the basketball background, which we've seen be successful in the NFL at the tight end position. 6'7", 235 pounds. So he's one of those huge guys, but he's still sort of built like a move tight end. Um, not the typical inline profile. But with a 4.57 40-yard dash at that size and uh, a 125 burst score, 85th percentile, Harris is an athletic freak. Uh, you have to... Imagine he won't play much unless anything happens to David Njoku and he misses time. Uh, but Harris is one of those players that's just sort of always been buried behind good talents, never gotten an opportunity, and if he ever does, he could be very interesting, especially in the Browns' offense these next few years. Uh, next one we want to talk about here is Pittsburgh. We've got two guys here, Mason Rudolph, mainly a super flex play here, uh, but I think everyone will recognize that Ben Roethlisberger won't be around for too many more years. Rudolph was a very impressive college player, uh, almost an 85% college QBR at Oklahoma State, almost 11 yards per attempt. He was one of those guys that was pretty much matching Baker Mayfield stat for stat, uh, just pumping out these crazy video game numbers in one of those air raid type offenses. Uh, Patrick Mahomes as well. So he was right up there with those guys as far as college resume goes. And he's got the typical pocket passer size, 6'5", 235 pounds. Ran a 4-9. It's not very mobile. Uh, so he's one of those guys that will probably be sitting in the pocket most of the But he's very impressive, and he's got one of his college wide receivers, James Washington, on the roster. So like that as well. Certainly doesn't hurt. Uh, but Rudolph, very impressive college player, and uh, could be getting an opportunity in the next couple of years. So if he's not on your taxi squad in a super flex league, he's a good guy to try to go buy cheap now and hope that something happens over the next year or two. And then Ryan Switzer. Um, he's bounced around a little bit as well percentile. He's got the perfect slot profile. Uh, so I'd like him 
to ascend that depth chart. I'm not super confident it'll happen. It's just one of those guys you want to just buy now and hope he does something in the preseason and climbs up that depth chart a little bit. Uh, but he's got the profile that he could be very interesting if he does get that opportunity. And he's in a situation where it could be valuable, especially with all the vacated targets in Pittsburgh. All right, let's move on here to the AFC South. Got two divisions left. We'll start with the Houston Texans. Uh, two guys I want to hit on here, one of them being Demario Crockett, running back out of Missouri. He went undrafted, which is really surprising to me. Uh, he's a very impressive player. He's got that prototypical size, 5'10", 225 pounds. Uh, not an incredibly dominated, dominant player in college, uh, but very productive and got six, six yards per carry at Missouri, which is impressive, especially in the SEC against those defenses. Uh, so, you know, he wasn't a 50% dominator kind of guy or anything, but when he was out there, he was very impressive. He's got the size, he's got the athleticism, 80th percentile speed score, 72nd percentile burst score. Uh, not super agile, but he's one of those guys that could break big plays for you. Uh, he can get out in space and uh, make defenders miss. He's strong, he's powerful. So, very interesting player. Uh, now that they've got Duke Johnson, he's a little bit less interesting. But at the same time, Lamar Miller probably will be uh, not a Texan for too much longer. And so there's there will be opportunity to rise up that depth chart a little bit. And I know a lot of people are on to Karan Higdon, but I'm much more interested in Demaria Crockett. He's got a more interesting profile to me. So he's the guy I have on almost every taxi squad. Uh, so I'm kind of bummed about the Johnson trade, but I do love Duke, so I'm also happy about that. So very mixed feelings. The other guy I want to talk about is Cahale Warren, tight end out of San Diego State. He went as a third-round pick, which is very impressive for a guy from a school like San Diego State. 6'5", 252, so a little bit undersized as far as an inline tight end profile goes. Uh, but he could certainly be used as one of these move tight ends. He's a very, very good athlete, 80th percentile pretty much across the board. Uh, speed, burst, a little bit less on agility, but uh, 78th percentile spark X score on playerprofiler.com. So very impressive athlete. And he accounted for almost 20% of San Diego State's passing offense, which is very, very impressive mark for a tight end. Uh, 12 yards per reception, not super impressive, but he did break out young, uh, 20 years old. So good marks there. Uh, you need to see that at a small school. So very impressive profile. I think he's one of those guys that's going to have to develop for a year or two. But Houston doesn't really have an established tight end, so he could be forced into opportunities sooner rather than later. And I like his profile enough that I, I want to take shots on him. I want to get him on taxi squads. Let's move over to the Colts here. We'll talk about a guy that was super hyped coming into the season last year. Not even enough that you can get him at a discount. That's Deion Kane. Um, and he should be eligible for taxi squads in most leagues here. But uh, he's a very impressive player out of Clemson. 87th percentile speed score, 67th percentile agility score. Not incredibly bursty, but that's all right. We'll take what we can get here. Two out of three is not bad. So still very solid athlete. Uh, broke out a little bit late, but that's understandable at a school like Clemson. You're certainly willing to forgive that because he was going to be behind other talented players. Clemson has a lot of very good players that come through their program. And uh, he counted for almost 30% of their passing offense, which is very impressive, especially given the talent that was going to be around him at a school like Clemson. Uh, and given the plays that he was making in camp preseason last year um, and the, the hype he was getting from the coaching staff. He's the kind of guy that you want. You think maybe long-term they'll have some shake-ups. T.Y. Hilton's getting older. Devin Funches is on a one-year contract. They did draft Paris Campbell here uh, this year with an early-round draft pick. So in a year or two, that depth chart could look very different. Um, so Deion Kane is a good guy to take a shot on, especially if you can get him at a discount with the injury from last year. 
The other guy that's worth talking about is Mo Alley Cox for similar reasons. Jack Doyle and Eric Ebron both are free agents at the end of this year, so that depth chart could be completely different next year. They both could be gone. And Mo Alley Cox is one of these basketball players. He went to Virginia Commonwealth University, VCU, played basketball there, and he's a big guy, 6'4", 262, so he's got essentially that inline tight end size. He could be on the field every down. Uh, but he's one of those guys you're, you're willing to excuse away basically no production so far because he didn't play football in college. Uh, good enough athlete, above average speed score, 80th percentile burst score, uh, below average agility, but you're okay with that in a tight end. That's not too bad. So he's a guy that could get downfield and make some plays. We don't really have much as far as his profile because he didn't play football in college, and he hasn't really done anything in the NFL, but his athleticism, his basketball background, and the chance that he could potentially be the number one tight end next year make him very interesting, especially in the context of the Colts offense. We'll move on here to Jacksonville. Uh, one guy that's certainly going to be drafted in rookie drafts for Dynasty League is Ryquell Armstead. He's a running back out of Temple, drafted in the fifth round by the Jags. Um, he's got that workhorse size, 5'11", 220 pounds, uh, accounted for over 30% of Temple's total offense. They ran through him as much as possible. Uh, he was the focal point of that offense at Temple. Uh, not a super impressive target share, under 5%. I'd like to have seen more from that, uh, but he's capable in the passing game. Uh, not great, but certainly capable enough, and the guy in front of him is probably better than most people give him credit for, but also not one of these elite pass, pass catchers in Leonard Fournette. Uh, and he's often injured. He's had problems with various soft tissue injuries so far in his career. So especially if Armstead is going to be that backup and earn that RB2 spot, he could be interesting, uh, especially given that Leonard Fournette could potentially miss time. And Armstead could step in as a one-for-one -one replacement and get the bulk of those touches. Uh, Ryquell uh, Armstead also has a 94th percentile speed score, so you love to see that. That means he can make big, break big plays, take long runs to the house. Uh, not crazy impressive across the board here in athleticism, but good enough agility score as well that, that he's certainly interesting. And sort of like Cahill Warren here, very impressive athlete, 87th percentile speed score. He ran a 4.63, but at his size, that's very impressive. Above average burst, just below average agility, but still very you know, good enough, uh, very capable. And in college, accounted for over 20% of their passing offense, which is a very, very good mark for a tight end. Uh, 13 yards per catch, just about, which is good, but not great. And breakout age, older than I would have liked to see. But again, tight end is one of those positions that you can break out late and still be fine because it's a tough position to learn. And we know, especially in the NFL, these guys don't always hit right away. So Josh Oliver, guy I'm definitely looking to stash especially on a team that doesn't really have an established tight end. Uh, hopefully they'll have an upgraded quarterback before too long, and he'll be able to step into that tight end one role. And let's move on here to the Titans. A couple of guys to hit real quick. Jeremy McNichols, uh, we saw him make a play this past week in preseason, so his stock might be climbing just a bit. But he's got the complete profile, athletic across the board, above the 50th percentile. Uh, better than that in speed score, 80, 80th percentile. Agility almost that. Uh, he's got the full full workhorse profile here from Boise State. He was taken in the fifth round back in the day. <laughs> well, I say that like he's old. Uh, but he accounted for over 40% of their total offense at Boise State. And he sort of gets a knock based on the other guys that have come out of Boise State. But McNichols is not one of those guys. He's a true workhorse talent level player. Uh, almost an 11% target share at Boise State. And that's something the other guys that come out of Boise State 
have lacked. You know, JHI, you think about him. Alexander Madison has that type of profile. Not as, as strong of a pass catcher as far as his college resume goes. So McNichols is a guy that I think is more than the rest of these Boise State running backs that he often gets compared to. Um, he's athletic, checks the boxes, he's got enough size, 214 pounds. We'd like to see it closer to 220, but at 5'9", we'll take it. Uh, I'd like to see him put on a little bit of weight, but we can work around that. And he's got the target share from college as well as the dominator rating. I mean, he just he checks pretty much every box you can imagine. And we've seen Derrick Henry have a little bit of a soft tissue injury here in preseason. So if there's going to be a guy that rises, my bet is on either Jeremy McNichols or this next guy, Alex Barnes. Uh, just absolutely criminal that he went undrafted this year. Came out of Kansas State. He's six foot two twenty six. He's got that absolute workhorse size. At Kansas State, he accounted for over thirty five percent of their total offense, rushing and receiving. That's an eighty seventh percentile dominator rating. Eleven percent, just about, in, as far as college target shares. So very active in the passing game, just like McNichols. He's one of these guys that's got the full profile. And he's athletic. Uh, he's actually, his worst trade is speed score, 71st percentile. But burst, 89th percentile. Agility, 87th percentile. Bench press, 99th percentile. 34 reps. Not that that really matters, but still impressive. Shows he works hard. Um, so Alex Barnes, very interesting player. Um, if I had to pick between the two, I like Alex Barnes better. But given that we've seen McNichols in preseason, he's the one I'm putting my chips on. If I was starting my own franchise, I'd like to have Alex Barnes, though. And the last guy here, Anthony Ratliff-Williams. Anthony Ratliff-Williams, wide receiver out of University of North Carolina, UNC. He's six foot two oh five, uh, so pretty good size. Not very athletic, but you do like to see that he broke out young enough, and he was a decent, decently productive wide receiver. Almost a quarter of North Carolina's passing offense ran through Ratliff-Williams. Uh, the thing you really like about him is that ten, uh, Tennessee's depth chart here, you'd like to think it's well established that A.J. Brown and Corey Davis are going to be the starters, but we don't know if Corey Davis is a bust yet. I, I'd like to think he's not. There are a lot of signs that point towards him not being, but Ratliff Williams is a guy that could be worth a stash just on the off chance that Corey Davis busts and they're looking to shake things up. So those are the guys I'm looking to stash here from the south, and we'll move on to the AFC West. So the first guy, start with the Denver Broncos, is Deshaun Hamilton. He's probably not as much of a taxi squad guy anymore as he was when I really liked him coming out of Penn State. I was all over him, but now he might be in one of those starting chairs, and a lot of people are pegging him as potentially the threat to lead the Denver Broncos in targets. Uh, but I think you can still buy him at a decent price, so I'm going to put him on this list. Uh, he's very productive wide receiver at Penn State, accounting for about 25% of their passing offense, which is good considering the players that he, he was in an offense with, uh, which includes Saquon Barkley, Mike Gusecki. He was playing with Chris Godwin at times. So a lot of talented players there with Hamilton, still a productive player. He was taken in the fourth round, uh, so not super high draft capital, but again, he was one of those early-ish fourth-round picks that we'd like. Broke out very young at Penn State, which is impressive considering the program he went to. Uh, there were a lot of other talented players there, but he got on the field at age 19, had a productive season. And he's not an incredible athlete, but he does have a very good agility score, almost 80th percentile. So he could be one of those guys that plays in the slot. Um, on Denver with Joe Flacco, I'm not super interested in that based on the role. Uh, I would like to see them move on to Drew Locke. But Deshaun Hamilton, 
good bet to uh, potentially get a starting role at some point in the next year, maybe two years, uh, if Emmanuel Sanders comes back at full health. But I like Deshaun Hamilton to have some opportunity before too long, and I very much like his profile, so he's a guy I'm willing to bet on. The other guy I want to talk about here is Jake Butt. Uh, drafted by the Broncos last year in the fifth round, mostly fell due to uh, injury concerns, but played at the University of Michigan, very productive player there, uh, over a 20% dominator rating again for a tight end, that's an excellent mark. He's 6'5", 245, 246 pounds, so not prototypical inline size, uh, but he is a that we've seen. Uh, I know they drafted Noah Fant in the first round, everyone's very aware of that, but on the off chance that Noah Fant isn't all he's cracked up to be, on the off chance that he doesn't play or gets hurt or something like that, Jake Butt is in a prime position to step in and get some snaps, and he's absolutely got the talent profile to deliver production. So, interested in stashing him as well. Again, probably a taxi squad guy and not a real roster spot. Uh, next guy here, we'll move over to the Chiefs. Byron Pringle, he's been getting a little bit of buzz on Twitter lately. Uh, but he's 6'1", 205, so good size, 80th percentile speed score, otherwise mediocre, and, you know, just below the 50th percentile across the board in athleticism. But I like the speed score. Um, they do have Tyreek Hill back, and they drafted Nicole Hardman as well. So their outside speed guys are pretty well covered. Uh, but on the off chance that one of them misses any time or Tyreek Hill gets suspended or what have you, Byron Pringle, who was an undrafted wide receiver, could step in and be a productive player in that offense, I think. He had a, almost a 40% college-dominated rating, which is very impressive. Almost uh, just over 20 And given the skill set of the offense around him, the quarterback being Patrick Mahomes, uh, the coach being Andy Reid, that is a very good place for a guy that's good with the deep ball to be, especially if anything happens to Tyree Kill and he misses time. Uh, if he gets in any more trouble with the league, let's say. Uh, but Byron Pringle, one of those guys... Very high upside stash, low probability of hitting, I think, uh, but certainly worth it just on the upside alone. Next guy is a player I don't even like at all, but given the fact that he's playing well in preseason and getting a lot of buzz, he's worth stashing for that reason, and he's one of those guys that might be expensive now relative to, I think, what he's actually worth. But Darwin Thompson, given the fact that the only other running backs on the depth chart really are Damian Williams, who's never logged over 50 carries in a single season in his career, and Carlos Hyde, who's clearly on the downslope, Darwin Thompson is unfortunately pretty interesting, to be honest. He's only 5'8", 198, so he's an undersized guy, red flag. So he wasn't terribly productive. He was efficient, 7 yards per carry just about, which is an impressive mark. You've got to put that in context of the conference he played in, the teams he played against. Uh, but still not a bad mark there. And he's not a great athlete. Um, bottom percentile speed score, but he's very... But just given the offense, given the context there, unfortunately, he's interesting. Uh, we'll move over to Oakland. One guy that I like. Uh, he's been getting a little talk on hard knocks, uh, but at the same time, still interesting enough. Keelan Doss, wide receiver out of UC Davis. Uh, 6'2", 211 pounds. He went undrafted, but he's got good size. Uh, Decent enough athleticism, just over the 50th percentile in speed score, burst score. We don't have agility, uh, but impressive enough athleticism that you can certainly work with that. He's over the threshold that we really need to see him at. Um, college dominator rating was over 33%, so over a third of Browns on again, off again saga with the NFL and his helmet continues. Uh, that depth chart could be pretty thin if Brown leaves, 
So Keelan Doss is a name to keep an eye on, especially through the preseason. Perfect taxi squad stash for that reason. The other guy here, Foster Moreau, 6'4", 253 pounds, uh, but absolute freak athlete across the board, 82nd percentile speed, 84th percentile burst, 84th percentile agility, uh, 93rd percentile spark X score, just absolutely killed it in basically every metric. Uh, and there was a study, I think it was Scott Barrett at Pro Football Focus, that tight end athleticism best correlates with fantasy production. Uh, better than any other position. So you like to see that. I'm always willing to take a shot on an athletic tight end, uh, especially in an offense that they could ascend the depth chart and get opportunity before too long. Uh, Darren Waller being the primary, obviously. But you can go buy him for probably nothing. Um, and just like we talked about with some of the other quarterbacks, Big Ben and Tom Brady, Phillip Rivers probably only has a couple years left in him at most, I would think. Um, Tyrod Taylor is not super young either, but at the same time, he's got several productive years left in him. And he gets a bad rap for his time in Buffalo particularly, but he's one of those guys that did what he was asked. He was a low-risk quarterback. He was asked to go out there, take control of the offense, take care of the ball, not turn the ball over, um, and just sort of play a low-risk, low-reward game. That's exactly what he did. Um, but he was always an efficient quarterback. He's mobile, so he's got that dual-threat upside for fantasy purposes, which we like. And if Rivers decides to hang it up sooner rather than later, um, Tyrod, definitely a guy that could step into what is, for now, a productive offense, a good situation, and he's got that dual threat ability. So certainly a candidate worth, you know, a dark throw because you can get him for basically free in super flex leagues. And so we'll hit a couple of actual taxi squad guys here real quick. Jeremy Cox, uh, monster athlete running back, undrafted out of Old Dominion. Um, but across the board, 90th percentile plus in speed and burst, 80th percentile plus in agility, 25 reps on the bench, 96th percentile spark X score. I mean, not Saquon Barkley level numbers, but not that far off either. And at six foot, 223 pounds, he's really the only back on the roster that's got that prototypical bell cow size. Uh, Austin Eckler and Justin Jackson both being undersized backs. So it seems unlikely that. Uh, he'll get the starting job given the history that they have with Eckler and Jackson both having been uh, been given playing time in the NFL already. But Jeremy Cox has a very impressive profile. And so if something were to happen to Eckler or Jackson and they were to miss any time and the Chargers are hurting it running back even more, this all assuming Melvin Gordon holds out or gets traded, uh, Jeremy Cox could become very interesting in a hurry. Uh, very impressive player athletically and Sometimes that's all you really need at the running back position. And the last guy, pretty much the complete opposite as far as wide receivers go. Uh, sub 10th percentile athlete in most metrics, just barely above in speed, but very, very unimpressive athletically. Uh, Artavis Scott, he's a wide receiver out of Clemson, went undrafted, uh, which may be a little surprising, uh, but at the same time, he wasn't highly productive in college, just over a 20% college dominator rating. Uh, but again, in the context of the Clemson offense, that's pretty good considering the talent that was around him. He broke out very young, under 20 years old, uh, when he had his first breakout season. So that's very impressive uh, in the context of an offense that has a ton of professional caliber players. And at 5'10", 193, uh, he's not a guy that I would think would play on the outside, but he doesn't have that high-level agility we like to see out of a slot receiver. So I don't think there's really a role for him but he is getting some buzz this preseason, and the Chargers have some room on that depth chart for another wide receiver. Uh, so that's exactly what you're looking for in a taxi squad stash. 
And Scott seems the most likely guy to step into that role uh, and potentially gain some value. So he's got to like to store on the taxi, taxi squad a bit. You can get him for basically free, I'm sure. And if he's not eligible for the taxi squad in your league, uh, just keep an eye on him. He's probably a watch list guy at that point. I, I don't really want to spend a bench spot on that unless you're in a pretty deep league, like 30-plus man rosters. Uh, but keep an eye on him nonetheless, especially through the rest of preseason. So that will do it. That's all. 16 teams here in the AFC. The next episode, we'll talk about the NFC. Hopefully you have some guys here to add to your taxi squads. Uh, some of these guys are probably out there on waivers in most leagues, and some of these guys are probably drafted in the later rounds of your drafts. So set those taxi squads. You know, Make sure you're using those spots wisely. The number one concern is get those high upside players. There's no sense in stashing a guy that's upside as Theo Riddick. Um, just, you don't want to stash guys like satellite backs and guys like Jamison Crowder. You want these high upside players, so it's better to just throw a bunch of darts and hope one hits and have them mostly not pan out than to stash low upside guys. So keep that in mind when you're looking at some of these players. Uh, that's why some of the names that are on this list might seem like guys that will never get a chance, because it's probably true. But you really want upside. You want to use those spots to potentially get a guy that could be entered into your starting lineup. So use those spots wisely. And for Jared, who couldn't be here today, I'm your host, Mark Leopold. You can find me on Twitter at LeopoldNFL. Check out our page at Gridiron Experts. Check out the site, gridironexperts.com. Remember to use that promo code GRIDIRON20 at fantasydata.com to get 20% off your subscription this season. Uh, and we'll be back soon.